Welcome to the Master in a Game podcast with me, your host, Drew Broughton. I was really passionate about setting up a series of conversations which I felt would offer identification, hope, strength, and a guiding light to many. Mastering your inner game is not an easy path. It's not one that's about achieving money or status. It's about constantly looking in the mirror and improving the areas of ourselves that are stopping us, prohibiting us from fulfilling who we are at a core level. In relationships, in business, in sport, in all areas of our lives. There are many tools used when trying to become the best version of ourselves. Honesty and vulnerability, two of the most powerful. To be completely authentic. If there's one thing I've learned about my journey of nearly 30 years now in professional sport and self-development, it's that being truly authentic is the key. If you feel inspired, get identification, or feel passionate about anything you've heard here in these conversations, then please reach out to me. Also, use your own social media to spread the message. The true strength, true performance, lies in honesty, authenticity, and vulnerability. Enjoy listening. Welcome to another episode of Master in the Game. Um, today I'm here with uh, Marvin Sadell. Um, Marvin, probably getting more notoriety at the moment, um, and in no way that's a, a negative reflection on his playing career, because he, he played at the top level. But at the moment, um, really, really in the limelight with, with his work around mental health, in football, out of football, um, his ability to write and articulate his words and his emotions. And I was really excited to get this on because it's a subject that I work in for the last eight, nine years post-playing. It's a subject that I is dear to my heart about sensitive and intelligent, emotional human beings, which we all are, um, trying to survive in that industry of football and, and, yeah. and, uh, and beyond football. So I want to dig into it. So Marvin, thank, thanks a lot for being here, mate. Um, no worries. I'm going to start off. You're 29 years old, right? I, yeah. I thought you were older than that. Incredible. 29. <laughs> um, over 300 games in the, in the Football League across all, of the, all the divisions from the top one down. Um, playing the Olympics, which we talked a, a little about off air and we'll, we'll lead back into a couple of people we yeah. know and I think that could lead us into some great things. England on the 21s, countless appearances. Um, I want to start off and let you go. There was a quote in, a, in the article I read in The, in the Guardian and you said it's a, it's a beautiful game with an ugly persona. Elaborate further. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very easy and very difficult to explain it in the same at the same time, really, because football is that's what it is. It's a beautiful game. It's the thing that brings people together. Um, it's the thing that, that people are passionate about. It's community. It's you know, it's within you. You know, the the love for the game goes more than and goes further than just actually playing football. You know, this is the, the hub of a lot of communities across the entire world. So it is, it is the beautiful game. It is things that is what we are passionate about. It's what we love. And yet, it's ugly persona is the, the bits that, that allow it sometimes to be the beautiful game. And these are the things that are, are interior and that aren't on surface that, you know, the, the beautiful game, you know, if you, if you talk about it as, as, a, as a person, for example, you know, on, on the outside, it is beautiful. On the inside, the persona, the things that go on behind closed doors, that that is an ugly part of, of football. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we can touch on bullying, mental health, homophobia, racism. 
a lot of these things exist inside the game and have still not come to a point where they are they even come close to reflecting society you know and, and for me that's a difficult thing to accept so as i put that statement out you know that was my retirement statement that was the the title of my my statement to retire was you know i want i wanted people to understand what it is that I, I was walking away from and why i was walking away because of because it's something i love i love the game the beautiful game but the the persona itself being in, involved in the game meant i was very close to it and all of these things affected me and so i wanted to take a step away and and not be affected by these things and that for me was what has made me happier I'm still involved in the game in different capacities, but my role is now to help change the game, help drive the game forward in a more positive direction. Thank you. And, and what, what's, I've got like a scribbling down, if I could take this anywhere. You, you said something, love for the game, love affair, and I put love affair. I've used that one a little bit myself. It's what I felt. Football has the power. When I went to Sporting Chance Rehab, alcohol wasn't an issue for me. Um, uh. Gambling, no. Drugs, no. Never taken a drug in my life. Um, winning was an addiction for me, absolutely. But obviously, that, that's not the traditional 12-step fellowships. Alcoholics Anonymous, uh. winning, winning Anonymous isn't there. There's a lot of anonymous fellowships now for many things. But actually, when I, when I did my clinical assessment there for two hours, James, the head therapist, said to me, they have obviously got to do that before they say whether you're just suffering with mild depression or you need to be here for addiction. Yeah. And he said, you have every hallmark. You, we start on Monday and you will be coming. And he said, I'll, I'll get it put through. He said, because you have every hallmark of any heroin addict I've ever met. You look gaunt. You, you look broken. You look dead yeah. in spiritually dead, spiritually banged yeah. Um The love that we all come into this world with that beautiful love in our eyes that children have had gone sucked out yeah. of me. You said about the love for the game, that beautiful woman on the outside who's a beautiful man who, who's ugly inside. I want to delve into that because using the word ugly is, is, is absolutely right. But what is that? And for me, and I don't know if you, what your thoughts are on this is that we don't, none of us are born ugly. So the game wasn't born ugly. The people in the game weren't born ugly. Yeah very slowly fear destroys people and their egos grow to protect them and i've seen it working firsthand in football clubs i walked in once recently a year ago and the manager said hey are you looking forward to being here i said i'm going to be honest with you i said i'm walking here nothing's changed I said, what do you mean i said the fear i can smell it see yeah. it sniff it absorb it i feel it on my skin and you can see all his staff looking at me, but I'm now not a player. I'm coming in as an external consultant. So, yeah. so you need to change the fear. Otherwise, you're not going to win games. And luckily, I've got the ear of the manager. But what do you mean? I said, fear. Players just terrified of the next contract, terrified of losing, terrified of non-communication, terrified of giving the ball away, terrified. And you realise you were taking them to levels of depth, which just was, what, what is he talking about? Um, mm. What does that spark in you? Me, me going For me, I, I, I hear that and I think, you know, you're, I mean, you're bang on in that sense. You know, the, there is a beauty in freedom. You know, the freedom I've had since leaving the game has surpassed all of my years combined. The amount of I've been able to 
be myself mm. in the last year mm. has is is way more than I have done throughout my whole footballing career. And that's not just as a professional, that's even coming in as a the first time I stepped through an academy doors at 13. Mm. It is to be yourself and survive in the football industry is difficult. It is. You know, you can't. It's being myself and I'm I'm a person who questions things and I want to I want to learn. No, I, I'm I'm a very driven person, but I want I'm driven in the sense that I want to be better. I want to learn more all the time. I want to know answers to questions. So I ask questions. And that was a big thing for me. That was a big problem for me because I wanted to to find out, you know, if if we're doing a run, why are we doing this run? What's my benefit? If we're doing this te- technical drill or tactical drill, I want to know what, what I want to know. What is it that I'm going to learn from this and why are we doing this? Mm. That isn't, isn't what football likes. You know, the industry is made to, to your for players to listen and not respond, just listen and act as opposed to question, develop and, and, and learn in that sense. People tell you, you need to be here at this time, do this, do that and then go home. And when you go home, you need to do this. You're not, you can't do any of that. It's, it's such a controlling environment. And I, it just didn't, it doesn't work for me. I think it doesn't really work for people anyway. People fall into it because they have to. And, you know, the, the people who question it at least probably live with it the better because it's just, it's probably easier for them to accept it because they don't, they don't think about it. They just understand this is how it is. And that was a battle I had with myself for a long time. Cause I thought, is it me? Is it them? Is it me? Is it them? Is, is, is this how it has to be? And you know, it, it did, it did affect my career at times. I'll be very honest, you know, but that's, that's the problem. You know, that's, that's the problem, you know, and, and fear is that fear to be yourself, fear to be honest, and open is the biggest thing. You know, you can, that, that is, fear comes from, from so many things and, and it shows itself in so many ways. Mm. But the, the thing is, is that it's to be honest. The fear is of being honest. You know, whether it's, I'm scared of making a mistake. You can't be honest in that sense because you'll get dropped. I'm scared of um, if I don't get a contract or not. Well, you need to work harder. It's a very unforgiving industry and, and a very, it's not very empathetic in that sense. You, you, you shared something on that documentary the other night, which was a, I'm really, it was a wonderful documentary. And I, you, you shared the, the BBC thing with Royal Highness. Yeah. And you, you shared um, about your experience, I think, and, and you were asked the question, had you ever voiced that to a, to a member of staff or a manager? Yeah. And you shared yes which I, I, I made the mistake of doing a couple of times. Um, and how, how did that reflect back on you? And you said you were dropped. Yeah. Which again was my experience. Um, what I found, what's the word? Um, encouraging probably about His Royal Highness's reaction was he said it's a damning verdict on football. Yeah. Which shows for me, mental health in society is one thing in the industry of football, it's a whole nother beast, um, a whole nother beast that has to be attacked a little differently. That everything you've talked about there is authenticity. 
Um, being completely authentic. I did a recording with Luke Chadwick a couple of days ago and yeah. we talk about Manchester United and authenticity and I talked about Eric Cantona being my hero. I'm reaching out to the great king and seeing if he'll, he'll speak with me. Um, I can drift in and out of French. My mum lives there, so I can do that. But uh, why I was blown away by him at 15 years of age, 14, I remember being at school, 15. And I was blown away by this guy who had been kicked out of Leeds or uh, taken for a million quid at the time to United yeah. Ferguson, bit their hand up. He'd been chucked out of French football 12 clubs later, walked away from the French FA, failed a trial at Sheffield Wednesday before Leeds yeah. took him. And now he's considered Manchester United's greatest ever player by many people. And, and Sir Alex Ferguson's office quoted as, you know, he treated him differently. Uh, Alex Bruce was telling me that his dad tells a story about when Cantona wouldn't wear the club suit because he, he doesn't want to sign up for that. So the players have moaned to Ferguson about that. Mm. And he said, send a message back to that lot. When when he can walk out, when they can walk out to Old Trafford and orchestrate a game the way he does, they can wear what he wears. And <laughs> but it's authenticity, and that's what blew me away as a young schoolboy. I was starting to just toe the line a bit and all the yeah. stuff that made me a player was starting to go already at 50. And this guy inspired me, collar up, chest out. You're going to be racist to me. I'm going to come over and punch you in the face and get a year's ban. There's no problem <laughs> with that for me. Yeah. Chuck me out of football. No problem. 30 yeah. years of age, he retired at 30 because in his book, image rights were starting to come about. And I believe Manchester United wanted to take 75% or something of his image rights. He said, no way, he said, it's because of me and my soul. And so no problem, I'll, I'll retire from the game and then there's no money. So he just retired. And Ferguson said, I just knew that you couldn't talk him around this time, you were done. Um, <laughs> the authenticity grabbed me. And I'm sorry if I've rambled off there. It inspires me today. Have you seen The Last Dance with Michael Jordan? Yeah. Let's talk about authenticity there. <laughs> and, then, and let's go back and, and then just elaborate on that football, how that made you feel. How that documentary made me feel. Mm. And related was, back to related back to what you were just saying then about honesty and authenticity. I was I was blown away, really. I mean the level of competitiveness, the the desire in him to just be the best always. You know, it was just and and sure he he he, he wore the t shirt, you know, he, he was like, Yeah, I am the best. But he every day proved it. You know, he questioned everything and he, he pushed and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed all the time to be better. And he pushed everybody around him to be better, which is, I mean, the, the fact that he, he just said, if the, coach, if the coach isn't there, I don't play. That for someone of his level and of his stature to, to believe in something that much, you know, he changed the culture of that team. You know, when, you know, you talk about, they talked about when he initially went in and they just had a big, you know, party environment and, and they weren't really, didn't really care about winning. He came in and changed that because his, his thing, his authenticity was so infectious that it rubbed off on everybody else because it was positive. In the end of the day, he wants to win. Everybody's there because they want to win. But he said, do you really want to win? And if so, let's do this. What I, absolutely, what I found, 
go, I try and go deeper, deeper, deeper into all these documentaries and I cut it into loads of clips and I'm looking at them and I shared one of them with a the player I was working with, a young player. And I said, do you remember that time last year when you were told in no uncertain terms by the coach that if you play, you play this way? Yeah, I remember it well. And do you remember you got man of the match and the same coach was all over you afterwards in the press? Yeah. And what did you do? You didn't listen to one word he said. He said, I remember the conversation we had Friday and you asked me, what's in your heart? And he said, not that. And I said, cool, you have to go with your heart and you have to back that the universe will look after the rest. And there's a scene in it where 15, 20 seconds to go, the great Phil Jackson and his books are incredible spiritual coaching, incredible yeah. guy. He calls it a tactic and he calls a play. Yeah. And Jordan said, no, I'm, said not, I'm doing not doing that. that. Not doing that. Now, it's, I see all the media, many people breaking this documentary down, but as always, conveniently, they skim over the truth and the controversy because yeah. that's the message I'm saying to the player. That's the message. If you are going to walk in your light and not suffer with mental health, you have to have the courage to be yourself. Now, that might so, look like... I understand Jordan was probably 30 then, and so you could say what he wanted. Probably couldn't have done it to 18. Yeah. But at 18, you have to learn to be a nodding dog, like this kid I was working <laughs> with last year. No problem, boss. No problem, boss. No problem, boss. I'm not doing any of that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Out, doing my game. And he said, it's crazy because I, I ignored everything they said to me today. And now they're all over me saying, the reason you did that today is because what we've been... And I said, welcome, <laughs> brother. Welcome. I said, that's a world it's I a lived game. in for many years. And it's crazy... Yeah, okay. In therapy, it's called crazy-making behaviour. It drives you crazy, right? But that is literally the, the football industry. That is what a football industry does. That's the Every, sickness, right? All the time. All the time you're told, ah, oh, coaches, coaches say, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this, you do this. You do something different, and they say, right, you know, you know that's what happens when you listen. <laughs> what? No, I, I've, I've had it in so many occasions in my career. And the thing is, you have to have the courage to be able to do that again and again and again. Not every time it's going to work. That's the problem. Because for me, I, at times I went with my gut instincts and said, you know what, I think this is right. I know this is right. This is what I, I can do. So I did that. And sometimes it didn't pay off. And then I would be punished for it. That's the problem. That's the problem. Give, give, in, it's in, fascinating. In, give me an example. As Sorry, an example, no, no, no. I've got, I've got an example in brilliant, my head. As an example, brilliant. from a, there was a there was a thing from a set piece that we had. I'm not going to say watch club, whatever, but there was a yeah, yeah, from set piece we had. I didn't think it worked, but where the manager was telling me to stand, I stood there. But instead of staying there, I moved off my position. I moved from my position. Um, I ended up scoring twice from the exact same set piece in one game mm -hmm. because I'd moved off my position. If I stood where I stood, I wouldn't have scored. Mm -hmm. And he came in the change room after and said, see, that's what happens when you, when you, you stay in that position, you listen. And I thought, <laughs> and then a couple of games later, we do the same set piece. And my position was standing on the goalkeeper and, and stay on the goalkeeper. But instead of doing that, I decided to move away from the goalkeeper so I could get the tap in. But this time, the book, that didn't happen, didn't transpire. It was the next, like one of a couple of games after, and the goalkeeper caught it, and I got hammered for it. Mm. And I sat there and thought, this is just, this is football summed up. Because I just did something a couple of games ago off my own back that worked. That's the mm. only time this has worked, is when I took my own initiative. And yet, now I'm being put back in the box, being controlled. 
the freedom of thought is is what makes us who we are as as players we get to the point we are, we've got to not because coaches say to be in this exact position at this time and do this and make this decision every split moment is a thought you can coach people to make better decisions and to to make to do things better technically and tactically but every moment is a freedom of thought you choose one decision or another and you have to allow the freedom you have to create an environment where the freedom of choice and instinct is allowed to kick in because players playing off instinct will always be better than players playing without it you need instinct especially you know, particularly Absolutely. me being an attacking player without instinct I don't know what what's left. I, my job today, blessed to call it that, is is to help people rediscover their instincts and give them the courage. And I live that way in my life. And I look at the business owners I work with; it was the same. They said the traditional model in business is you upscale, you grow, offices mm-hmm. get bigger, more personnel. And then what you tend to do is you tend to surround yourself by non-exec directors, so guys who've sold their companies for millions. And now have the blueprint. They come in and one of my guys said to me last week, and, and I'm just constantly leading him back to himself and holding a mirror up yeah. and getting to find his own solutions, never advising. And he said, you know, it, it's just absolutely crazy, Drew, isn't it? He said, my business grew because of a seed inside me at 18 that wanted to do something. Yeah. And it grew and grew. I'm now 42. Yeah, he goes, and now I'm going to bring someone in to tell me what to go to the next level and he said it happens across the business world i said i don't mind if that person is fully emotionally aware of their journey so they can emotionally say to you do you know what i made this decision this time exactly the predicament you're in now and i'm not telling you what to do but i made it through fear i made it through fear and it didn't work but he said no no they don't do that they said right what you need to do is yeah the typical controlling thing so they might have made money and sold their company and great, it might have been built off work really hard, get in at seven and leave at seven, all that stuff, it might have been, but is that, what, who are you? What are you about? What's your right. vision? And what I want to say, you said it then, I think it's the hardest thing to do in the world, the hardest thing beyond anything is to truly be authentic. And what jumped out with Michael Jordan is the price that sometimes you have to pay. Now, right. I... I don't, no one knows about his gambling. No one knows if, about his drinking. But there's a scene on the playoff day when, he, when they ask him, how, how was your evening last night? And Mike's, yeah, he's all good. Had two beers this morning. Had a cigar. Now, I smoke cigars. And if you get a Cohiba the way he's smoking or a Partagas, that's strong. You get, you, it puts you in a bit of a trance. Eh? He smoked a Partagas, two beers, and it's six hours before kickoff. And he's just dropping three pointers in. Now, Again, no one will talk about this, but I want to go that he's already using stuff, something to just give him the crutch and the courage to go, I need to get out of this because this is telling me what the press are telling me, the manager, the coaches, the staff, the world. I'm done with that, man. I need to take myself out and just get back to that flow. I'll leave you with that. I don't, I'm kind of out of words. Share. Give me something back. <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that level of... It's the pressure that comes with performance and to be able to perform. like they, the, You know, the hardest thing for me, I always say, it's, it's, I've played at every level. 
you know, I've said to everyone at all different levels, you know, when I've come across people in League Two, League One, or whatever, I say the hardest things to play at the top by by far. They earn the big the most money because there is by far the most pressure. Every single thing they do is under scrutiny. So it you, you may see them and think, you know, this looks all, all great. I could play in this team. Couldn't. It's, 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 it's not that simple. You know, there, there is so much that happens. You know how much happens before a game. A, a one football match on a Saturday, which is, you know, a couple of hours out of someone's day, you're, you're there. What about Monday to Friday when they're cons- consistently in the news? Mm. But Saturday when people, you know, in the lead up to a big game, there's, there's extreme levels of scrutiny, pressure, and people are looking into every detail of your game and analysing it from Monday to Saturday. People on the outside of the game? People on the outside of the game. Now what about the... So, so we've got that extreme pressure outside yeah. of the game. Now let's go the internal pressure around the training ground. How many scientists, mm. analysts, data cruncher, number yeah. crunchers? How does that affect you? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, again, that's another big thing because you think football is a game. You can get all of the data and statistics in the world. It doesn't, win. It doesn't do anything when it comes to match time no. because what wins game is what's in there and what's in there normally. You know, I, Sean Dice used to say a lot and I used to think, he used to say, you know, um, you know, keep you, you need a um, you need ice in your in your head. You need mm. fire in your in your heart and your belly, mm. and let your let your body be free and and, and dance mm. in a sense. Mm. I can't remember the exact saying he used to yeah, use, yeah, but yeah. I used to look at him and think that doesn't. That, I don't really understand what he's saying. I don't really get it. Um, and later down the line, I thought actually he's so right because you go into a match and. You could be the most talented player in the world, but if you've had a week where everything's gone on top of you and your statistics are back up everything and you could be playing the worst, you could be the best team in the league playing against the worst team in the league and play a three out of 10 performance because of everything that's happened in your life mm. in the build-up to that game. Mm. All the pressure that can come with that, you know, the, all these people, the data, the scientists, whatever. Mm. But mm. in the end of the day, it doesn't matter because everything is... When you go into a football match, it's, it's, it's largely down to emotion. Largely, largely down to emotion. Mm-hmm. You, you, could be in, you could be thinking, right, I'm ready. My body's ready. And yet my mind is, is anxious. My mind, the, anx- the anxiety in my mind is sucking energy out of me every step. Mm-hmm. And I'm not playing with, with instinct. I'm getting the ball and I'm thinking, I'm looking, as opposed to just bang, 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 how, play. How hard is that? You know, when... The, no, because I, I, I lived it. I remember being uh, at Chester City. We were in League Two and the club had spent a lot to try and get up. We had myself, John Walters, Roberto Martinez. We, uh. we, we, we had a really good side. Um, and I was brought in really as the main number nine, as, as, as the focal point. And I'd had a decent year the year before, but I thought, OK, this, this is it now. 24 years of age, get your 25 goals this season. This is uh. the one that gets you back to the championship. And I was on the brink of it the year before. That pressure internally I put on from day one. I remember four or five games into the season, I was dropped. Mm. It was a big thing for the manager to do because at the time, I was brought in to be that focal point. It's not like you have a budget there to have three who can just rotate it. So, and you could see them all trying to work out, calling me in his office. You you can't last 60 minutes, Drew. 
I saw you last year. You were jumping so you just dominate people in the air. You've not won a header. What is going on? Are you, is it a training? Are we not fit enough? Are you going out too much? Well, I didn't drink, so fuck. Um, so he said, Monday morning, we're going to have a fitness test. Said, okay, sure. Uh, and the Sunday, I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't sit in my flat thinking, thinking, thinking. I'm, I'm going to go to the pub. And I went to the pub and got, uh, and got drunk all day, ended up in a nightclub, went right. back with a girl. Probably didn't sleep, 5 a.m., might have dropped off for an hour or so. I went to training. I forgot, oh, it's fitness test. I've got to do this fitness test. So train normally, so Drew, we're going to take you afterwards and we're going to measure. Um, absolutely obliterated it. Destroyed their fitness test, spat yeah. it out. They said it's the best time we've ever seen. I, I, I was always the fittest player at most squads of as part of the OCD yeah. behaviour. And you can just see them looking at the, uh, what is going on. I went home, obviously, probably still a bit drunk, but even more confused, thinking, how do I do that? And then that. I can't run on a match day. I can't jump I can't yeah and you know when people say in the Premier League they're watching oh his legs have gone he's got no no he's he's fried he's mentally yeah. exhausted yeah. you you can relate and it's missed isn't it it's really missed and I see I see the top pundits missing it and I always think yeah. come on man like you never had a day when you just you, you just not emotionally aware of that a great example is Fernando Torres okay go on when he oh, went to course. Chelsea Yes, great example. He was yeah. electric at Liverpool. Electric is the word I use that. Mm. You know, I don't use that lightly. You know, it's, it's it is that spark, and it's a spark here that ignites the fire in your body to just go like Soul. you're just you can just, you can just mm. you can just go and fly. You're free. Do you know what I mean? Mm. When you're that's why everyone says when you're at the top of the league, you're flying. You've got more energy. You're buzzing around. You you know it's, it's easy. When you're at the bottom of the league, everything's difficult. It's hard. It's a slog. You, because when you're at the bottom of the league, all of the depression, negative emotions are there. Those are the things that are making you tired and, and less energetic and less sharp and, and less sharp here as well. When you're at the top of the league, everything is just free because... But when he went to Chelsea, he wasn't at the top of the league. It was still another big club. So let's talk about the, his, his internal stuff himself. But the thing is, it's, it's the price tag that he went to Chelsea with, £50 million. Mm. Mm. And people are saying, well, mm. is he still is he still good? Is he not? Or, mm. You know, what, what's going on? And, you know, the, there is pressure. There's always pressure. Mm. People don't, you know, the people see the likes of Neymar go for mm. all that money. I think, well, it's a lot of money, whatever he should deliver. It's mm. difficult mm. to be known as the most expensive player ever. Is, is And then go, mm. go out on the pitch. Every single time you touch a ball, people are expecting... Mm. Magic Miracles. every single time, mm -hmm. every single time you go on the pitch, they're expecting you to perform. Mm -hmm. Is to, to perform day in, day out is, is the hardest thing in, in any profession. To, so, to perform to high standards, absolutely, uh, absolutely. It's going to come back, and we could you and I could talk for ages, but the authenticity if we're saying that we're all born perfect creations, okay, and there's a beautiful line I heard once that. If you watch a child walk into an old people's home, you'll see the sourest face in that people's home light up because the light of the child, that they haven't got conditions on them, fear upon yeah. them. And when I get brought into work with a 17, 18-year-old who's been on fire at 14, 15, the club have invested yeah. millions. Now, now it's like, they'll just, they'll just move him on. No problem. We, we don't mind blowing six million. No problem. We'll just get the next one in. 
Um, and it's funny because a couple of the dads at some point have rung me a little bit angry and said, you know, I've been working for a year. What's, what's going on? And I said, there's been amazing progress. Well, really? I said, do, do you understand how hard it is when you've got a, a beautiful son that you've got who's an intelligent, morally aligned, sensitive human being with an incredible gift and drive to then walk out every day in the most competitive environment in the world and have the courage to ignore a lot of what he's told because it goes against the very thing that they bought him for. Do you mm. know how hard that is to do before you say, um, what, what's happening? Well, so-and-so and so. I said, the player that you're talking about who might be lighting it up on match day at the moment, is that what you want for a son? And be careful before you answer because I've got a son. I wouldn't want my son sleeping with six escorts a week, paying £30,000 in fines last week for being late, being, doing yeah. what he wants. Is that what you want? Because I'm not your guy. If you want your son, go and find the guy who encourages that behavior. Yeah. I want to allow your son to be the best version of himself. Yeah. But when he's an intelligent, sensitive human being in an industry that's riddled with fear, every bit of com communication is fear-based, yeah. you are asking for the toughest challenge known to mankind. And I don't know if I can help him do it. I think we can help him to a point. And there's kind of a silence from them. And... and <laughs> It's so hard, Marvin, right? Yeah. No, that's, that's as you said, that's, that's, that is football. It's, it's, the whole industry is, is based on fear, even the way managers operate. It's around mm. fear, as opposed to, you know, I, I very often had the conversation. I'm, I'm, I, was, I was always told I'm that person that couldn't keep his mouth shut and just, you know, spoke against things or whatever. And mm. I would always say, I don't understand why you. The, the focus is always on the negative in the industry of football. You know, you, they focus on even down to little things like in training, you, yeah. you know, fines for being late. And people say, well, people, sh someone should get fined for being late, of course. And I, I, but punishment for negativity has to be the, the least, that's, that's, that's the last thing you, you resort to. The first thing you do is praise in my opinion, that's, that's how you get people to move forward is by giving them praise, giving them something to attain. You know, you, you, you work towards positive things. I know of a manager who at a club, this isn't the club that I was at, but every training session, they would get points. They'll get, you know, score points and they'd vote for best trainer and stuff like that. They wouldn't think about who's worst trainer. They think best trainer. And once a month, whoever's been, got the, the most points, the votes, whatever, manager paid for price so it was like you know dinner night you know whatever it was and it was a rewards-based system to get people to push each other when training everyone wanted to be the best as opposed to fearing being the worst in training you know you get it every single club whoever comes last forfeit everybody's then thinking right let me just not lose let me let me not they don't think about winning they think about let me not let me not lose we do everything i can to just not lose and then I'm not going to be free. I'm not going to express myself. I'm just going to play within myself just to make sure that we, we're just okay. We, we just survive. And that is in the environment. Well, it's really interesting because I've said a couple of times over the last few years that <clears throat> footballers survive the career. They don't flow. Yeah. They don't flow. Yeah. They survive yeah. it. I hung on, 
you're 29. I was gone by 29. Mm. I managed to hang on somehow, even if it was worth doing to 33. Um, I was a punch drunk boxer getting the crap, the crap kicked out of me every day, emotionally, mentally. Mm. You survive it. I don't want to mention names. It's not about that. You've talked about Burnley and I understand that. Uh, Mike Kitely's one of my best friends and mm. actually my boot boy uh, at South End years ago. Okay. And, yeah, we just, I really like him as a guy. Yeah. I know he played a lot with Mike um, at different, different clubs at Watford and then Burnley. Yeah. And Mike and I were talking the other day and I mentioned this and he said, you know, Marvin's a really deep lad. I said, as you are. He said, mm. yeah. He used things to survive. Mm. He used things externally to build an ego. Yeah, that's what, we do. that's what we have to do. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and I, I'm very much open with the fact that I say when I was younger, I had I build up this ego because it was it's a defense mechanism. Yes, it me. I say, oh, I don't care. I'm not bothered. I'm not playing or being bit, and go home, and it's cutting me deep. Mm. And I question why I have to be this, be this person, and, and not be myself. Mm. and be honest with how I feel mm. because the industry is unforgiving in that sense and as I saw later down the line when I was honest it has repercussions yeah. authenticity has repercussions and that is the biggest issue and that is the biggest thing that I had with, with uh, the industry I think you're absolutely right and I, when, when people ask me now and again these days journalists might want to dig a bit deeper or what do you actually do then? These conversations that you're having with people, high performance. I said, let me tell you, first of all, high performance, two of the most misunderstood and overused words, buzzwords. I said, look, let's break them up. High, highest level of performance inside yourself. Who are you? What, what, what are you about? What's, what's your value system? What do you want to become? What's the visions you have? Let's try and achieve those. But inside, if you, if you ask what those conversations look like every day, the truth, I've got to put armory on them. I've got to strap them up with armory that's going to make them survive the next 15 years at best, 10 years of what's coming. And it will be crazy making, dishonest, egotistical, selfish, really emotionally ill behavior that's getting put on them every single day. And I'm in no way, shape or form blaming anyone in the industry. I've said now a few times, the only way it's going to change is education. I believe the B license, the A license and the pro license should all have strapped on a year. No players won't like it. Of psychotherapy. And so before you can become a coach, it's not a coach who says, yeah, you can put that cone out and you can do 11 v 11. Most players with no license could do that now. <laughs> It's so a psychotherapist goes, I believe in the best of my professional opinion that this player has, we've worked through all his trauma, everything that he got lost. So emotionally, he's able to be intimate with himself again and then find empathy, empathy for others. And um, you can see people, and that's the truth. I know so many managers now who have been managing the last two or three years after their playing career. And players are going, I, I just don't understand. He, yeah. surely he remembers us. don't judge him man like what it took him to get through that career he would have buried it so deep that he can't access it now so he's just going it's black and white you get there and you do that and 
I said, mm. it's just the wheel keeps turning. Literally, that's that's yeah. I, I can't even I can't even add to that. <laughs> that's exactly it. Sorry, man. I went on a rant. Oh, that's exactly it, though. Yeah, yeah, and I and I I hope I know some of the most highly decorated. I've got members close to me in my world, not ex footballers, but people. Some of the most highly decorated coaches there are. Every pro license, youth ward, this, and they're some of the most emotionally broken people I know and you think the player needs this before this it's like yeah. so I've gone off and around with that what about the Olympic Games because you and I talked about yeah. what was your experience with the Olympic Games young player I mean it, I look back and I think it was an amazing time at the time I hated it you know during during that period of time I was at I was in a real bad place and I, I spent a lot of time Sorry, you, you always leave me stuff. What was the bad place? I was, I was really deeply suffering from depression. Yeah, I was, I was, that was, it was a bad, that was quite in the middle of it, really. And, oh, and I was 21. Can you tell me some of the voices that you were, you were getting going into training, in training, after training? Most, it was mostly, do you deserve this? Yeah. I had imposter sy- syndrome massively. Yeah. I had a, I I struggled confidence yeah. enormously and 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 then when I obviously got the move to Bolton at the time, the pressure just kind of just flooded in, you know, and and there was it was there from everyone and before that being at Watford, you know, being kind of my the, my last six months at Watford was. I was a young player, but I was a hot prospect and the club was looking towards me to be the man to deliver goals. And at that time, that was fine. I, I dealt with it fine because it, it didn't feel like pressure because the club didn't put pressure on me. The club were there. They allowed my good performances, my bad performances. They were there. They, they just said, yeah, you know, you need to just, just keep learning, keep improving and, and, and keep building your career. And I was play. What did you need after a bad performance? And why did you have the good ones? Two questions. Why did you have your good performances and what did you need when you had your bad ones? Why did I have my good performances? It's, it's just freedom. It's the freedom. That, that, was my, that was my thing. How did you find that when you were so broke? I had it. I just had it coming through the academy. I was allowed to make... You were allowed to make mistakes because Watford weren't a big club. We weren't talking about you know, people when you're playing, people just moaning and booing and stuff. Is a, is a very family orientated club. It wasn't. There wasn't huge pressure. There wasn't huge pressure on the manager. The manager at the time, Sean Dyche, was my youth team manager, so he knew me well, understood me, and understood how I played, and wanted to help me get better. That was it. So I had the freedom to play, and to play how 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 I wanted to play, as opposed to when you went to Bolton. Yeah, it's a different different ball game. I didn't. I didn't have that. I didn't really get the opportunity to play in the start, which, you know, for me, when the pressure's coming in, having been able to prove myself through playing was what I knew up until that point. And because I'd never got to, I'd never been at a point where I just couldn't play at all. I I just didn't get selected. So I didn't have the opportunity to prove that. And yet at the same time, pressure's still coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in. And I I just didn't know how to, to handle that because there wasn't any outlet. I didn't have that support really from the club in the sense that it's like, yeah, 
you can just play, you know, because they they spent this money, so they don't they weren't really there to support me or to to help me in any sense. If you were a manager now, managing yourself back then, what would you do? Which part, Bolton? Yeah. Talk. I was a kid. I was a kid. What would you say to yourself? So you say you were the manager now, and you're calling yourself in. Yeah, I'd say the first thing I'd say is, is how's life? How's life? How's home? Have you settled? That's those are those that would have been the, the number one thing. Because because of my age, when I signed for Bolton, I was twenty. Yeah. And I at that point in time, I was living, I wasn't living at home, but I was living, I was living in Watford. I'd moved out to my place in Watford, and home was Harrow. Harrow and Watford. Anybody that knows, fifteen minutes away. All my I'm playing, training with friends from the academy who are also from Harrow. You know, all people a close knit group. I got to Bolton. The dynamics very different. The, the, the first team were a lot more, a lot of senior professionals living see, a, a long way away from my support network. My support system is just not there. And yeah, so that, that would have been the biggest thing. You know, I would have said, well, what, what, what do you do? Like, how, how is it if you're not, because if you're not happy off the pitch, how are you going to be happy on the pitch? In, you know, some people may, may you know, that, that sounds crazy to some people, but some people say football is their outlet. That's what makes them happy. But if you're not happy deep down, you're not good. You're not going to be happy on the pitch. Impossible. You're not going to be able to perform and without all these things, with all these things going on. Mm-hmm. So that would have been, if I was manager, that's what I would have done. And, it, and it's funny because it leads me back to this quote that's always stayed with me from a uh, what's her name, Daniela Sheaf. She's written an incredible psychotherapy book, and it was very much about empathy gets lost when we start to turn our back on our feelings, basically when we start to cut off the feelings. And that's why I think a lot of these chats are so difficult for managers because they survive their playing careers nine times out of 10, they're ex-players, even if they're not. They block the emotions off because it's so tough to go through what you and I have been through. Now you're leading. And so now when you need the number one tool of empathy, it's not there. It's it's not. So that conversation might even be, yeah, how are you feeling? And then you might go, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I feel really homesick. I feel lost. I'm lonely at night. Yeah. And that's going to come back. Oh, okay, well, uh, what, what you need to do is uh, ring one of the boys and then go, and actually it's like, I yeah. didn't need to hear that. Yeah. I just needed to hear, yeah, no, I, I totally relate to that. I, I, I actually yeah. offer that myself now. I'm a manager, but I live up here three days a week. Do, do you yeah. want Yeah, I live up here because... My family's back down. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll sit there and we've lost the game. and You know, just that conversation blows. Yeah. So you're in the Olympics. Yeah, it was, it was I, I was in, as I said, I was in the middle of a, my, my period of depression. And so I found it hard and I massively had imposter syndrome. And I looked around and there's, you know, like you say, Craig Burnley, Ryan Giggs and Daniel Sturridge and all these players who are playing consistently in the Premier League. And there's me. You know, and I thought, well, do I belong here? You know, I've just come off the back of, I just moved to Bolton, but then I didn't play. And I've been selected for this. And the press straight away are saying, well, who's this kid? Why has he been picked? And all that pressure, and, you know, I, I, I found it really difficult to, to get away from that. And the, the, the questioning of me as a player, and I found that, you know, I worked with Stuart Pearce for quite a long time. Time, see with the under 21s as well. He used to bring me in to, to have chats all the time 
And he said the same thing to me all the time. You need to believe in yourself. You need to have the confidence in yourself. And you know, can I just yeah. again? I'm really, so, I'm so conscious of, of, but you spark this. You, 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 you trigger things in me, and, and again, relate to it. What you need to do, Drew, is you need to just, just go and play. You need to, and actually, having come through all the therapy and all the stuff I've done for the last so many years, is you learn that telling someone they need to do something is really controlling. And I'm not, again, I'm not knocking anybody, but that statement you need, and it used to come back to me a lot. What you need to do is, and actually you realize it's quite a controlling behavior because that's somebody else telling me their opinion on life. Yeah. Rather than what you potentially need, is rather than what you need to do is, Marvin, how, how, how do you feel? How yeah. You, right? The conversations from the manager, which was very, you know, what you need to do is just believe in yourself. I saw an F1 mm. documentary on Netflix the other day, and there was a young driver in the Red Bull team. Yeah, I've seen it. Did you see that clip? Yeah. And he was drowning on the track. He was just, he got lapped in a race in the F1. Yeah. Now, he's been a, one of the best drivers, young drivers for five years. Like, you don't yeah. just get lapped. And the conversations were very much, again, Without emotion, it was what you need to do. It's another instruction. You just need to believe in yourself. Mm. And I've had a laugh with that comment with my friends about it because we've all had it. And again, I'm not criticizing coaches. This is hopefully to can we enable the coaches to have a greater skill set, empathy. And, yeah. You don't need to hear that, do you? No, you but no, it's, 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 it's what it's, it is just what that generation know. It's, it's what. No, and I and I have this conversation now and I talk about football and I think our, my generation and this generation of new coaches now coming through, I think they, they, they think differently and they're starting to break the cycle, I think. It feels like that. Well, I, all I'll share is I'm in it every day. We've been to a lot yeah. of players. I'm not so sure. And the reason I say that is because what you and I have said the hardest thing in the world to do for any human being is to truly look at yourself and look at your emotions yeah. and your fears and your resentments and everything that's built up in you that's blocked you from empathy. Yeah. Oof, how many coaches have gone on that journey? I think some naturally have really incredible levels of emotional awareness, yeah. empathy, Guardiola, Klopp. I, I think they have ex exceptional natural levels. Um, in my experience of all the conversations last season across Premier League, Championship, some international, yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing huge change in conversations, yeah. if I'm honest. Because how, how can it until they're educated differently? Sure. What do you think? Because you're now to you roll with the FA. How's that? What's that going to look like? What do you think? Well, I've, I've only just you know, joined. Um, mm. I don't know how much impact we'll be allowed to have or in, impact this board has in general or has had. Mm. So it's hard for me to say mm. we're going to do this, we're going to do that because I don't know. I'm only here in this role because I want to be a part of change. You know, I've, I've said I've, I've been openly critical about them in the past and I said that to them when I went to interview for the role. I said, the only reason I'm sat here is because I've been critical. Which bit were you thinking about? In your experience, what were you... I said that I was... I, I don't think the FA are doing enough to tackle racism in football. Or I don't think the game of football is doing enough to 
around mental health or support for players or people in the game. I said that, and I've said that many times in, in public. What do you think can be can be done more? Let's deal with the mental health thing. What do you think of the support? Real- support is a massive thing. I think the biggest thing is education, as you say. Mm. Um, and for the people that will suffer from mental health, mm. it's it's having it's being allowed to be themselves. This is the, I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is the reason why people struggle is because they get lost mm. and they lose their self, their, their, their sense of self-worth and their, self, their sense of purpose beyond football. Everybody has, a, has this purpose and they know it and their personalities get drowned and suppressed and that's the problem. Well, what's really interesting because, you know, I'm, so much of talking to you reminds me of of, of me so much and always ask questions. I say to people, always ask questions. Um, yeah. The reason I studied movement differently and injuries because I ask questions. Well, my hamstring's just gone three times in the season. Are you going to tell me it's the pitches in my boots again? Please, come on. Like, yeah. I'm quite intelligent. And of course, that straight gets back to the manager. He's always kicking yeah. him, get him out of the treatment room. Yeah. Get out of the treatment room then. Then the irony is I go and study differently out in the States and some stuff with John Hardy and Faster and Gift. All of a sudden, I'm working with someone. Who, I, I had to go into St. George's Park once, two nights before an international, into one of the lads' rooms and do a load of therapy. There's the truth. I'm scraping through his hamstring, releasing his foot, talus bones jammed on. He goes the next day, goes, feel great, hamstring's gone. I said, well, yeah, your foot was locked. He's wearing the tight boots again, aren't you? Did you? And no one would go, and I'm happy, I'm as open, honestly, with Steve Corker when he had his hip issues. I went into QPR and I had to sit there with, as Ferdinand and, and Ian Holloway and Corks and his hip just, they, they, seven months out, they were taking in best specialists. Europe, mm. hip, the best hip surgeon in, in, in Europe, I believe, had looked at him and gone, look, probably unethical for me to operate on that. There is some inflammation in there. And so they were then accusing him of being, well, they were, he was, he was a troubled guy at that time. So I'm not, and I went in there and said, look, the stuff that he's doing in the gym now is not the stuff that his body needs. If you look at his foot type, his hip type, very tight internal rotation. I said, the circle is going on. There can't be any recovery. Well, what's your solution then as his personal? I said, look, why don't I come in two weeks? I think we can make a huge dent in two weeks. I think he could be training. So Cork was looking at me going, two weeks? I've been out seven months. I said, no, I don't. He was training in two weeks. I, I, I said, all the physios were there and, of course, they were threatened. I said, look, guys, please get your iPhones out. Record everything I do. Ask me. And I want to give you everything. I want to. And yeah. I just learned from someone who's amazing. Yeah. He learned from someone who was amazing. And it probably, learn from somebody. probably gets back to 3,000 years ago. Some medic in China or I don't know. Look, just pass on, give on. First day that they're videoing me, within 20 minutes, they all went because I was saying, look, do you see there that, 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 that navicular bones jammed and it's jammed because tip and fib are externally rotated and you, mm. you know, well, I haven't studied any of that, which, I need, that's, which is okay. But mm. He was training in two weeks. Um, the crazy thing was with that, I only got 70% into the injury and the last 20% I was out of depth, Marvin. So I called up John Hardy, founder of Fast, who educated me on everything. I said, John, I'm, I got this guy and I put my neck on the line and we're three days away. And he said, look, I, I'm in London next week or a couple of days. 
So it took course to see him and again, John, he's done a load of work and research now on psychosomatic injuries. So the emotional, oh. the emotional trauma obviously Corks was acting out with addictions at the time, yeah. was broken inside. And he did this thing which blew my mind. Uh, still to this day, Cork laughs about it. He, he had a pen like this with the colours on, but it was lasers, so he could, about 15, 10 colours, and he could just fire oh. colour onto the wall. He said, tell, tell me when you feel your pain, Corks. He's like, well, when we do this test, this is the test that I have to do to train, a bridge test. And he goes, well, start doing it. Cork starts, I, I feel it, I feel it. Okay. As you're doing it, I want you to call the colours out. Cork's like, just pressing the red, blue, green, yellow. So John's nudging me and watching his range, bang, recruiting strength, powers there. He keep going, stop, blue, green, red. He goes, okay, that's pretty good. I'll be getting, didn't give him time to think about it. What now? Well, I can't run, I can't. Okay, well, just jog. Oh, no, I'm feeling it straight away. Okay. You jog, you're six foot five, now, Steve, you played for England. And you're running like five foot six, little boy. Tell me how you play your best. When you're ready, how do you play? He goes, no one takes me. No one takes me down. Chest up, body language changes. Now run. Run like everyone doubted you at the end there. Go. And he just goes. No pain. Comes back. No pain. So I'm now head wrecked. And even though it's John's. And it was, he was, all this pain was because the body language was inflection. Everything was down putting extra strain through all the muscles, all internalized emotion and pain that's coming out in injuries. Incredible stuff, man. I mean, incredible. We still laugh now, but, but it's so interlinked to all this stuff, isn't it? And the reason I started that is because that closed-mindedness, I was there going, guys, whether you like it or not, I'm going into England players' bedrooms, whether you like it or not, <laughs> Torre, Bellamy, Lalana, Klein, Walcott. Where, where do you want me to finish here? Like, I, huh. we're doing something that you might be able to take. And the resistance, Marvin, was, and I'm like, it's cool, man. I got in my car, left the training ground. Nothing changed in my world. But it, it, it's, uh, has that changed today? Not so sure. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get to the Olympics. We, we started there because the, you said something before we started. Yeah. Bellamy, someone I've known for a long, long time from kids. And Craig Bellamy, yeah. Yeah, Craig Bellamy from a long time. And, and he's obviously, there was the, the case at Cardiff as he was a coach, was bullying, which was all thrown out. He wasn't, it was all dropped, even though he was asked to leave for bullying, I believe. Um, all thrown out. He's now in Anderlecht with, with company. He's an outstanding guy in his heart. Yeah. He's one of the, nicest, most thoughtful, passionate, driven human beings I know. You shared something, and I wasn't, when I shared that with you off air, I was thinking, <laughs> would be like, no, he's that bully. Because he, look, by his own admission, he's been, he's acted out those behaviors, his own pain, yeah. and bullying and insecurity. You had, you, had a, you had a strong experience, right? And yeah, very good. I mean, I'd, uh, when, I, when I first you know, went up to, to link up with the squad, you know, I, I read and heard things about about him that you know that doesn't paint him in a in a great picture you know but i'm quite open in in the sense of when i'm meeting people i i reserve judgment until i i see and hear for myself and he just came across as a great guy and very thoughtful 
very he I mean in the group he was a real leader. See Giggs was the captain, but Bellas was the leader of that group. I mean he set the standards every single day. And he he doesn't just demand high standards, you know, he he sets high standards. He was he he would try to work the hardest. He wanted to be the best. He didn't want to make mistakes. He wanted to to do great things and he wanted us to to win. So sim- and, similar to that Michael Jordan thing, but yeah, you said yeah. so what were the bits then you said he was a great guy? Conversations you had or just in it, yeah, conversations in the sense that he was there to support, to to educate, to teach, to you know, in, in especially in, in football terms, for me I wanted to learn off him because this is someone who's played at the very top for a lot of his career. And I was like, yeah, I wanna I wanna I wanna learn. I want to learn. I want to. I want to learn about the mentality that he has and and the abilities that he has and tactical things and ask him questions. And he was very open, and he'd go above and beyond to to support me and say, you know, this was good or that wasn't good. And that's so important. And you know, you, that's that's so important. You games, you felt you felt confident because he 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 talked you through that or he'd, he'd say things in the dressing yeah. room. game or. Any, 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 yeah, I mean, he, 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 I, can't, I can't remember specifically. I mean, but I just, I, anytime someone brings up his name, I just say, yeah, great guy. Like, he, genuinely, he, he, he would just be there to support everybody in that squad. And he's a, he, you know, when you talk about football and going to war and that kind of like, you know, that, that mentality. I, I mean, I don't particularly agree with it and think that's, that's the right way of, of thinking, but he's a person that, He'll be standing next to you, and he's going to fight for you. He's going to work for you. He's going to he's going to play with you. And he's going to push you on. He's going to support you. He's going to carry you if he needs to. And that's just his mentality. And I can I can see how at times he would get frustrated. I can see he didn't at that point because everybody kind of bought into what we were trying to achieve. But I can see how that could translate into up into his frustrations and 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 that coming out as bullying because all he wants is to win. Absolutely, and 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 of course, a good a good friend of mine. We talked about Steve Kolker, who's now eighteen months sober in Turkey. And I know you guys, yeah. but again, reminds me of yourself a lot. A very intelligent, articulate, deep thinking, real thoughtful like, guy as well. Really thoughtful, honestly. I, of all the clients I've had, we always would send. Even when he was acting out in his addictions and he was a mess five years ago, always send me a really thoughtful Christmas present to my home address. And I don't even know how he had my address. Um, <laughs> Incredible human, and uh, mm. you know you 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 had an experience of that now. That yeah, nice. I mean, I, I, he was he was one of he was probably the person I was closest to um, playing for England in the twenty ones, and actually in Team GB as well. And there's there quite a few of us. We shared a lot. We had a lot of conversations, and we we I, I just felt synergy in in the way we we thought about life. I guess beyond football, and. As it transpired, we were both struggling, probably at the, at the same time. You know, we had, we had conversations about these things, and we laughed, and you know, our egos kind of come to the table, and we say, "Yeah, you know, that's you know, that's banter and stuff." And you know, as I as as I saw things play out in his life and things play out in my life, I thought, "Yeah, that that there's a reason why we that there was synergy there is because we were two people who probably thought quite similarly and understood." These, these things and, and we're struggling to understand them and struggling to kind of cope with, with what was going on around us in, in, the, in this industry and trying to find coping mechanisms for them was a, a struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
absolutely. For the, for the grace of God, he's put down the, the negative coping mechanisms yeah. today. You know, talk about authenticity, he's completely authentic in himself today. And yeah. it's not a coincidence that 18 months ago, he couldn't get a trial at Yeovil. And Luton were going, no, we don't even want you for training. And now he's on the brink of a move back to the Champions League. And, it, you know, it, it, it's, it a thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm, I'm fully aware we've probably rambled on for well over an hour. But <laughs> I, I, the aim of this is always to just give back, just give value. Yeah. If anyone listening gets any kind of strength and hope and identification from what we've talked about, I think it's incredible. I'm really grateful for you giving me your time. And, That's right. You know, your journey has been amazing. And I think it's just, you know, started. You know, you, you, you were a footballer, but now you're much more. And I think um, yeah. thanks a lot for everything you, you're doing and, and we'll continue to do. Thanks. No, no problem at all. I mean, this is who I am. This is my journey. And I share this because this is who I am, my story. It's not finished. It's, it's still got a long more, lot more to do and a long way to go. But if anybody can take anything from my story, then you know, that's, the, that's what, the reason why I share it. Thanks a lot for your time, Marvin.